Usual Mental is the podcast for candid and relatable discussions on mental health from a different perspective. That is the peer perspective. Thousands of men die each year from the silence, and we're trying to break that. Even though our goal is to have men opening up, everyone is welcome to listen and learn a thing or two. So let's end the silence, break the stigma, and normalize mental health. Don't laugh, man. <laughs> you know what though it's like technical difficulties happen and then we just have to get through them like like what what else can we do we're in a technical business now you know i still have a hard time with it still get frustrated anyway but no, it I, helps working my coping skills i agree though it's like it's, it's worked every time this up to this point why not now why like yeah why why do you want to do this like today <laughs> of all the days so we're doing episode four do you want to not work we've got the beats microphone going on now so that's not that's not too bad if it's good enough for jay-z it's gonna be good enough for, for pan hassan right <laughs> like, yeah do you want to do something different or we just yeah well you know what i'm gonna start with i'm gonna start with my idea for a kid's book i have i'm gonna tell you the idea it's about a little apple seed who grows in who grows up to be the strongest tree in the whole orchard and his whole life this little apple seed people were telling him you can't do it you're never gonna grow into anything you're you're weak you're too small. You're, you're not going to find the right fertilizer. You're not going to find the, the right woman seed to make other seeds with, you know, or however that works. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, he grew up to, to be the best tree in the orchard. And it's about a little apple seed because I'm from Lemonster and that's the home of a guy named Johnny Appleseed who went around, I think, no, the Northeast and North America planting apple trees across the land. And for him, we are to thank for all the apples that are plentiful in New England. And that's my... <laughs> that's my story. Nice. That's a great opening. I heard the name Johnny or John Appleseed, but uh, I didn't know the story. Uh, I mean, I think his full name was Jonathan, probably, but I don't, you know, Jonathan Appleseed. Johnny for short is his friends call them Johnny, you know. <laughs> from Boston. <laughs> from, 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 yeah, he's just Johnny. Or G- like, Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. I'm Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy Appleseed. <laughs> cool, man. Have you ever wanted to write like a kid's book or do anything like kind of wild like that? Like write a story? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to. I plan on being a published author by 2025. Give myself a little bit of time to write it and develop everything. I have the main idea. If it's not the little Appleseed story, it's going to be like a, a story of like snippets of my life, poetry and song lyrics that I wrote over the years. And I'm going to put that all together into something. That's great. Yeah, it's one of my pastimes. It's one of my things that relieves my stress for me. It helps my get my thoughts in order. And then I also I, I write short sentences in my journal. Just like, oh, the day I got to say I hung out with Pat it was the best journal day ever I wrote, wrote in my journal I was like I saw Pat today ah, like it was, it was good for those of you that don't know Pat surprised me with a visit to Massachusetts over the Thanksgiving holiday break and we spent some time together and it was just absolutely incredible I'm so blessed to have a friend like you and grateful to have spent your time with me so thank you yeah it was great thanks it was great to see you I wish we had more times you know how it is like you do a trip and you try to, you, to pack as much i'm grateful to be able to see you take some nice pics <laughs> people yeah. still talk to me about the, <laughs> the pictures and that's just one picture we had a set of pictures yeah, oh of yeah <laughs> there's there's more coming down the road <laughs> we, yeah. you can't release all the promotional pics at once <laughs> yeah, that was a teaser and also thanks for uh making me pick my guitar again because you know when i was uh, at your house i picked up your guitar and i felt like paralyzed i couldn't play anything i grow there 
and I was like, okay, I'm going to put it down. <laughs> I was like, man, that sucks because I haven't picked it up for a while. And uh, last night finally did. I hope we're going to play uh, at one point together. Just give me a couple uh, months. <laughs> That's so awesome that you picked it up again. Yeah, I love that for you. When I was 13 years old, I really got into Blink-182 and um, I was listening to them every day, all day. And I wanted to be just like the guitarist. I picked up a guitar and I was like, this is going to help me get girls. And it didn't work for like seven years. I was trying and trying and failing <laughs> and writing songs and just playing them for different girls. And it, just, it wasn't working. And then in May of 2008, it finally worked. It was great. I decided I wanted to learn more about guitar, write, learn how to write more. I write songs for people that I care about and people that I meet. And I've written a couple songs. There's a couple lines like when I was younger, I'd sing a song like, oh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Before James Blunt. Um, <laughs> before him right so like I'd sing that and my mom still sings to my this day she I walk in the house and she'd be like you're beautiful she still sings I'm like my mom still sings my songs that's awesome so what's been uh, going on in your world in my world um things have been going okay work today two people asked me for advice and some mentorship and it was very nice to be able to be there for two separate co-workers and colleagues and and let them know that like I'm here I'm if I can't help you I'm at least here to listen they very much appreciate it that like, they thank me for listening and thank me for being a sounding board at another point you know so you might i might not always have the right answers to give everybody and 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 that's as peer specialists we're not trying to have the right answers we're not trying to give i'm not trying to tell you how to live your life you know that's not what i'm here for i'm here to listen i'm here to guide i'm here to use vcvc again remember those vulnerability validation curiosity and connection that that contribute to community i think that's what it was uh, i didn't want to lose it <laughs> some other things have been going on as well that, that we talked about. I don't know if I'm going to mention who I'm, who I'm talking to on the podcast or anything like that, you know, keep it private and give people something to dig for, you know, they're like, oh, is he seeing somebody talking to somebody? I don't know. Am I? You know, I'm actually asking myself, am I? I don't know. <laughs> like, I have no idea. It's a no fin and safe space with just a whole bunch of people listening. <laughs> it's, all, it's all up to you uh, how much you want to share. I was going to just be like, there's a tale of rejection, a tale of retribution, a comeback story. I was going to like make this whole thing about like something that happened, but I was just like, nah, I don't know. I'll save that for like the blooper reel or something, you know, but um, you want to wait for people to get to know you a little bit better <laughs> before you share a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's, it's been, it's been refreshing having just somebody to talk to. It's been nice. And, um, and it's also been, I know that first of all, my worth doesn't come from outside of me. It doesn't come from anyone or anything. I believe it comes from within me and I know my worth and I know how important I am and I think anybody would be lucky to have me honestly do I have my faults yes as we all do I think if I was a fish I'd be a catch <laughs> you're, you're definitely a poet <laughs> yeah we laugh about it but it, it's probably easier said than done managing you know with these variants and the and the emotions we're going through we know it's life and you try to to have that looking back into it uh, I commend you for that having that wisdom but I'm sure that when you're in it it's not that easy uh, and not lose sight of what you just said of your work. You define your success, you define your life, and most importantly, you define yourself. But it's hard because we care about what people think, we let things define us. But doing good, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to take it day by day and really live for the moment and, and be here now, you know, and take it all as it comes. I think everything, I, I don't know if I'm one of those people that is, is on the side of everything happens for a reason or if it's fate or destiny or, you know, there's some choice sprinkled in throughout all those factors. I don't know exactly 
exactly where I lie in that. I think I'm going to, I'm going to get everything I need. You know, I think, I think I'm going to get everything I need in one way or another. I'm trying to hold on to that hope, you know, and I'm trying to be a bearer of that hope for other people who might not be able to see it right now. For those men who are still struggling and who can't speak up about what's going on, who are tired and frustrated and angry and confused and hurt by all the pressure that's being put on them from many different angles, you know? So if I could be a little bit of hope, then I, I think I had a good day. Oh yeah. You're talking about that distress and being able to reach out and getting that connection and that feeling of community. And this morning I was on the call um, with the Alternatives to Suicide group. It just felt good. I attended the, the meeting and uh, just sharing best practice, uh, how we're doing with uh, trying to advocate for the groups. And I know we've been mentioning that group before, but my point was just getting that sense of connection, community. They mentioned about the lack of resources for men from all walks of life and different uh, ethnic group. And uh, they mentioned about the veterans as that struggling in some parts here of, uh, of California, where there's no dedicated resources outside of the armed force or looking to uh, implement peer support groups specifically for them. And we think that because probably both of us were in mental health, we're peer specialists, we talk openly about it. And it seems that there's kind of a movement where people are more aware and probably more open about it. But then you turn around and you look here and there and you see, oh man, no, that's not the case. There's still a lot of work to do and uh, a lot of awareness to provide to let people know that they're not alone and they can open up. I don't know what you're feeling about that. I feel that like more resources are needed for specific groups, like for veterans, for, for all ethnicities. And I think that if we can form that community for people to be able to have those safe spaces to speak, for them to be able to open up and be vulnerable and have a place where they can learn that they're not so alone. They're not so by themselves. They're not so mm -hmm. isolated in that situation. You know, there's, there's a whole bubble and people around them who are feeling very similar things. You know, a good friend said to me, she said, you know, I haven't walked in your shoes, but I've been to the same shoe store. You know, people can have empathy for each other, but there needs to be a space for that and resources to create that. That's kind of what I'm thinking about that. Yeah, there's still a, a lot of stigma around it. People just uh, being afraid to open up, having the shame, not feeling okay and not being able to talk openly, but also even from organizations that are on the break to give more support group, give more space for a bunch of reasons because of the stigma, but also liability is another thing we're fighting against. Oh, what if something happens? Well, there's nothing in the history of support groups that showed that because of a support group, somebody died by suicide or something bad happened. Like we help each other. If somebody is not feeling okay within a group, we take care of each other and we ask what the person needs and we help them get the help they need. Still today, I'm surprised. We made a lot of progress talking about mental health. And sometimes to me, it's just surprising that even organizations that work in that field are still putting on the brake because of liability. And that's a big one that comes up often. Yeah, that word liability is, is one of the reasons why in my organization, we weren't able to start an alternative to suicide group or something like that, 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 that gives people the space to talk about other options or best practices because of liability. I think it's, here's where that breaking the stigma comes down. We have to inform people and back to what you said earlier is back to those resources, whether it's a place to go to, a piece of paper to read, literature or information. We need to give people the resources to fight back in the mental health system. Yeah, I like the paradigm shift and shifting the way we perceive mental health. Probably a lot to ask, but once we get into a place where we can talk about it and see different views and different ways or different approach that in the end provides the outcome and that the end of the world scenario 
those, they don't happen. That's where we, I think we can make progress and change because if we continue the way we're, we're going and with the stigma and also talk about suicide and just focusing on stopping people from maybe we should focus more on giving them a reason to live and listening to them and knowing where that pain is coming from and how does that feel and just being able to open up we create connection instead of additional trauma and we can help people you know people show up to groups because they feel that they're not alone in their feelings and nobody's gonna call 911 or 988 or you know 5150 them if they mention the word suicide they can just say hey i'm having these thoughts i'm struggling so just the fact of opening about it just opens a door i'm more concerned about the people who don't talk and don't mention anything because they're afraid they're ashamed or whatever their reasons and their valid reasons that's why we put the podcast and we're big advocates about being able to openly talk and not try to fix people not try to find solution but just sit and talk and being able to listen to each other and 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 relate as well a lot of us we've been through the same thoughts or emotion or, or feelings and we can relate to one another and just being there it's a huge step in the right direction i think you put that so beautifully and you touched on every point that i would have wanted to talk about you're right what's scary is the people who don't talk who aren't speaking up i hope that we are creating a space where people can feel like it's okay to talk about these things it's okay to open up okay if these two guys can talk about it maybe i can say something too and not have to hold it in and hopefully it's not coming out as that overwhelming feeling that we talked about that rage that can sometimes come up you know that can build up i hope we can create a space where that makes people comfortable and they can let loose and be themselves and be a little bit wacky and 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 be serious at the same time and, and really take care of themselves but i think that more importantly i really want to let people know that the stigma that is keeping everybody silent needs to be erased i would like to say it's okay to talk about what you're going through and if you need somebody to talk to come here nice so what, what are the reasons why especially men won't talk or don't talk about their mental health struggle? I'll start with the with the low-hanging fruit and grab what the media portrays of how a man should be, how a man needs to be, walks, acts, talks. Over the years, there's been a lot of toxic masculinity that hopefully our generation and our voice can, can put an end to. Totally agree with that. I would add to that is not knowing what's going on. Mm. So I hear that a lot and it's also my story as well of why did I get that far into my descent into mental health challenges it's because I didn't have a clue I, I had some clues but either I didn't want to believe it to your point about how I should act and you know I'm strong the way I've been brought up just the way like you said society and as a man and say okay no I can push through I got this which is okay I mean you go we go through stress and we push through it's a common thread and doesn't mean you're going to go in deep Deeper, uh, challenges but to me it did and it took a long time to realize that wow okay this is mental health this is these are mental health challenges that i can control i can push through i need help but it just went too far in my case before i reach out for help and we see the studies as well is that it shows between men and women that men wait until they go to the er or until they're far into their struggles before asking for 
for help rather than, let's say, women would talk to their doctors or somebody around about their struggle so they can kind of seek help. And it's not just a stereotype or generalization I'm making here. That's what the study shows as well. I'm glad that we can kind of clear that and say, okay, we won't just throw stereotypes here. And <laughs> that's why it's so important for you and I, I think, to earlier on to hopefully have men speak up about their challenges. Yeah, I'm with you on that wholeheartedly. And I believe that if we can do that, I think even if it's one person, if we change one person's point of view or life, you know, that's one less person that ends their life. You know, one, I'm not saying we're going to save anybody, like you said, but if we can plant that seed, that little apple seed, if it can grow big and strong, see where I'm going with this. So <laughs> I think that I think we can give somebody a chance. We can give somebody hope. We need community. We need resources. We need to let people know why and what's going on. We need to let people know so many factors and so many things. How do we begin to chip away at these? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just froze it. It's a great statement. <laughs> and it was a question at the same time. I, I didn't know if it was like rhetorical or do I keep going? <laughs> um, one of the things that I experience is fear and fear of the unknown. What if I open up? What's going to happen? That was a huge fear for me that stopped me to seek help. I did try to find help. It didn't work at some point. And then it just built up and built up and it I, I just got worse and worse and worse. And like towards the end, it was such a fear inside of me that if I open up, they're just going to lock me up and I, I'm done for life. They're going to lock me up in a psychiatric ward and that's the end of my life. That fear was stronger than dying. So I was not scared to die. I was scared to just stay alive, but being trapped and being done and so anxious and non-functional and everybody's going to leave me. Me and, and also that pain that was there, that was the reason for the attempt, that fear of the system, the hospital system, police, 911. Things have changed in some places. There's peer support that join police officers when they do joint calls. Now with 988, it goes to specialists who, who answer the phone and they can send a team of peer specialists, uh, therapists, and social workers to help folks with mental health challenges. But before that came in, yeah, I was afraid that my wife would call the cops or I went to the emergency a couple of times during a, a panic attack and you know what like I was lying to the doctors there they asked me do you have suicidal thoughts I was like no not at all everything's great I just needed something to calm me down because I didn't want them to keep me forever so that fear uh, was a big thought for me opening up about what I was going through I forgot about that fear. I forgot about how terrifying it was to make the decision to go to the hospital and tell them that I wanted to kill myself. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I had no clue. I was terrified of the getting and it's locked up in a, in a ward forever and, and electroshock therapy and like like all, like all these things that you see in the movies and on TV. I had right. zero idea what I was getting into, but I knew that I could not go on living the way I was living. I was done. I was at it was either asked help or not you know what i mean it was at that point i didn't i didn't know what to do so i decided to try to get help and they did they put me in the i think it was mandatory three-day evaluation in yeah. massachusetts and uh at first it was i was in the emergency room waiting for a bed or but i was so mm -hmm. scared i just but i i just gave into that fear i just leaned into it and said whatever happens next i was already ready to die what else can scare me what else what other situation am i going to get into that i can't get out of so mm -hmm. i decided to go through with it and i was so scared 
scared. That was the first time in my life where I really pushed through fear, where I've really given in something, everything I had just to make a decision. And to this day, as the, you know, there's been some shitty things going on, but I don't look back at all. I'm so happy that I asked for help instead of jumping off of a bridge. I am so happy that I made that decision because I, I, I said to myself in the back of my head, no matter what happens, that bridge is always going to be there. That bridge won't go anywhere. So that was kind of almost comforting to me, though. I don't know if that's an okay thing to say or not, but having that thought helped me push through that fear and get the help that I needed. I totally can relate to that and make sense when it's taken into the context. And I've heard it from other people. You said that having, it doesn't mean that you're going to act on even now on either suicidal thoughts or just saying what you said, like the bridge is still going to be there. Of course, you're not encouraging people to go and jump off a bridge and even for yourself, but in some situation where you've been through trauma or you feel trapped and it can give you a sense of relief. And I just understood that changed my life again in terms of perspective. And it felt validating and reassuring that, no, I'm not crazy. I need to feel that freedom and that way out. It doesn't mean I'm going to act on it. I know it's hard to tell for my family, for my wife and people around me. How do you explain that? And that's why we have to talk about it. If I cannot talk about it, what am I going to do? I'm more at risk to act on it if I cannot open my mouth and tell somebody that, yeah, I maybe I had a suicidal thought, but it was just a passing thought. Now I know it's passing and it can be extreme. And I would be like, wow, okay, that's a bit extreme. Like, so I can reflect back. I have a plan. I have people around me. But what you just said about having that kind of access to freedom just helps you live more and making that decision. You found that alternative and you said, you know what, I'm just going to go get help and I'll just hold on hold you and I really commend you of doing that you know I was not able to do that but I'm grateful to be here today but these are the kind of conversation I wish we can have they're hard conversation it's hard for us even as peer specialists and we told our story many times it still gets to us so I can imagine like for people who are listening or outside of you know peer specialists and mental health that's heavy but this is real life this is real stuff I just hope that we can have a you know a conversation and, and be able to open up about it. Thank you. And I and I appreciate you wholeheartedly. And I'm so happy that you're still here. You know, my my life would not be where it is today without you. So appreciate Likewise, you so much. Yeah. And everybody out there, thanks for listening. And we hope uh hope to catch you soon. All right, let's uh leave on a good note, say something silly or <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get back on that. We'll get back on that topic. I know it's heavy, it's scary, and I'd like to have an episode on just talking about, uh, you know, just, not just suicide, but the way we can approach it. And often people ask about how do I, I talk about it, but also from the family, what do I say and how can I help my loved one who mentioned that they don't want to end their life or they're desperate? I think it would be good. We have uh, maybe insights and from your story, my story, and from people that we support. I would love that. I think maybe even and then the next one to continue off of this to dive deeper into it and to, to dedicate that time to that subject could be very helpful to so many yeah. people I think because it lets them know that this stuff is okay to talk about yeah you mentioned empathy earlier on in today's talk and being able to put ourselves in the shoes of our loved ones they're loving us they want to help us the helplessness that they might feel you know for them as well to put their feet in our shoes and understanding that pain you know and that loneliness it's not about them you know it's about you and just getting that common you know understanding and 
and maybe finding um, new ways or new approach to to discuss about the topic, you know, and in in a calm and a productive and a respectful way. I look forward to that. I, I do as well. I think trying to see it from the perspective of family members and loved ones could be very impactful, very insightful way. Because oftentimes when I'm so wrapped up in my pain and so wrapped up in that hurt, I'm not really thinking about my family and my loved ones. I'm thinking about myself. What can I do to get myself out of the situation right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not thinking thinking about, am I hurting my mom? Am I hurting my sister? Am I hurting my two brothers? Anybody that loves me or cares about me. I'm trying to think about myself in that moment. And it's not selfish. It's not coming from a place of being malicious or violent or mean. You become so hyper-focused on the situation of what can I do to get out of this pain that I'm feeling? And I think if we can help loved ones understand and, and maybe see how they're thinking and their perspective, I think that'd be very awesome. I think I'm on board with that. Cool. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to see you next time. Take right. care, man. Bye. Bye. Sensitive content for some people. Hosts are not therapists nor doctors. Everyone's experience is different and valid. Find what works for you. If you or someone you know needs immediate mental health support, call 1-800-273-TALK-8255 or go to your local emergency hospital. Thanks to Bricks Royale for the music. Thanks to No Town for the mixing and editing. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you like what you heard today.